entering the game from Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesko. It's Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chesko. And hey, Chet, the Eagles, with not a real pretty win against the Jets, the Flyers win their opener in Prague, Sixers camp now in full swing with just two weeks until the Celtics opener. And still no word yet coming out of Citizens Bank Park about the Phillies manager situation. <laughs> you know, Bill, I've never heard so much complaining after a 25-point victory as far as, you know, the Eagles on Sunday. But that's okay. We'll talk about that. Yeah, and we're still waiting on some kind of real news out of the Phillies. Nice win by the Flyers over in Prague. And now they're back in Philly for the home opener. Wayne Simmons there as a visiting player. And, of course, the big news, Ben Simmons hitting a three in the 76ers preseason opener that had the entire Philly sports world going crazy. Yeah, and a blowout victory. <laughs> Again, a not very good team from China, but so what? It was exciting. We'll take it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the Twitter world and the Facebook social media world blew up with the uh, video flying around of Ben hitting a wide-open three-pointer. Somebody compared it to the fall of the Berlin Wall and the uh, moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know, and uh, talking about the Phillies in the managerial situation too, you know, and, and you know, you refer to the Eagles and their twenty-five point win. Two, I, I think the only ones waiting on the on the Philly situation who think it's important is the fans. I'm not sure, you know, management's in no hurry. Yeah, clearly not. I mean, it's been, what, 10 or 11 days now? And Jim Salisbury reporting today that Klintak and Annie McPhail will be back. Now they're just waiting on a decision on Kapler. I mean, that's according to Jim Salisbury's report. So I don't know what they're waiting for, maybe just to see if they can line somebody up better or maybe just to, you know, I don't know, see if they really, really, really want Kapler back. We know the fans don't, but it's up to management, not the fans. Well, I, I guess the thing is, is they owe – they owe nobody anything. They don't have to come out and say he's staying, he's going, or whatever. He's under contract. He's staying, right? I mean, he's right. staying until somebody says otherwise, and and the fans are acting like there's some big news coming because they want him gone. In reality, management or Phillies management owes them nothing. Right, but people just want a definitive answer either way, and I bet you Gabe Kapler would like a definitive answer either way unless he's already gotten it. We just don't know it. Uh, I think they're still just kicking the tires elsewhere and deciding whether he is indeed the right guy or not. I mean, we know Klintak really went to bat for him, and we'll see if that's enough. Uh, But the problem is, if they do decide to bring him back, and that's fine, that's their decision, they're going to have a tough job selling it to the fans who are not real happy about it. Well, that's true. Um, And I, I think Kapler probably already knows. I think if the Phillies were going to make a move, they would have made it, especially with this handful of four or five or six quality guys available. You know, there, there's that unwritten rule. You're not supposed to make a manager managerial change during the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to hold true this year. No, there's a lot of openings out there. We hear Joe Madden linked to the Angels. We know what's going on with the Phillies situation. There's like five other openings. So we'll see. We'll see. But you want to talk football first? I do, Chet, and uh, we've got a great guest tonight, and former Philadelphia Eagles and Stars tight end Ken Dunnick. 
he'll be making a return visit to Talk Birds and his Jersey Man magazine. And he's here now, I believe. Uh, Ken is great, and this is, yeah, his fourth straight year on Philly Press Box Radio. So, Ken Dunnick, welcome. Hey, great to be with you guys. How are you? Awesome, awesome. All right, Ken, this is Chet. You know, Bill, uh, welcome back for a fourth straight year. I know you're a busy guy. I think you're at a function tonight. We're bothering you with that. Uh, let's get to it. As Bill and I were discussing at the top of the show, the Eagles won a game by 25 points on Sunday. Great job by the defense. And yet a lot of people were disappointed about various things, particularly the performance by the offense. What was your take, Ken, on the Birds' 31-6 win over the not-very-good Jets? Or is it tough to judge you know, a win like that against a bad team? Well, Number one, just remember it's a W, and you play the game to win, as Herman Edwards, my old teammate, used to say. And so that first and foremost, you got to give the team credit for winning a football game. Uh, obviously, the Jets are undermanned at quarterback. They're playing the third-string guy. Their offensive line was horrendous in that game. Um, the Eagles' defense really stepped up, you know, having three sacks going into the contest, and then they have ten. On the day, they get a strip sack from uh, Skandrick. They get uh, another pick six. So defensively, I thought the Eagles played really well. Offensively, you know, you win the game, and if you're up big, you have a tendency to want to run the football more, and I think that reflects on Carson Wentz's, you know, second straight game of rather pedestrian numbers. I think he threw for 187 yards this week, 160 last week. So, uh, but, again, that may have um, predicated Doug Peterson's play calling, the fact that they got a big lead and, and kept it early and they kept it on the ground a little bit more. Um, I like what I see from uh, from the running back, uh, Jordan Howard. I think Miles Sanders is playing like, a little bit like a rookie. Uh, he's going to take some time. And, of course, Darren Sproles has a few miles on him. But, uh Overall, we won the game. We're 3-2, and two, and we really needed it because we have a horrendous stretch of six games coming up. Hey, Ken, I think people lose sight. Fans lose sight, and I think you, as an ex-player, can certainly expound on this. They lose sight of how hard it really is to win in this league, and it doesn't matter if you're playing the Jets or you're playing the Patriots. And like you say, is a win and is a win, and, and Jason Peters basically said that with a few expletives thrown in there. Uh, it's hard to win in this league. It's a competitive league. And, you know, you look at the draft process and the the teams flip from year to year. The most amazing thing I I think maybe ever in sports is the fact that the New England Patriots can have this continued sustained success, even though they're always drafting 31st or 32nd in the first round. But, again, you you, you play to win. The Eagles did that. and, you know, you talk about coaches that spend hours and hours uh, looking at game video, trying to find the slightest edge or, you know, anything that they can do to put themselves ahead of the competition. Because as we've seen over and over again, any team can beat any team, on, certainly on any given day. Ken, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago the play calling. Uh, we all liked what they did out in Green Bay. Uh, otherwise, though, there have been some you know, questionable play-calling decisions. Are, are Doug and Carson spreading the ball around enough? Do you like the run-pass mix? Do you like you know, who they're throwing to and how much Sanders and Howard are getting the ball to run it? What's your take on the offense? I, mean, I do like the run-pass mix. I thought it was a, a tremendous game plan against Green Bay, and 
as I mentioned earlier in this phone call, I think the score predicated them keeping it on the ground a little bit more in this game. But, uh, you know, uh, overall, you know, I, I think I like what they see. Now, keep in mind, we've been without Deshaun Jackson for a couple weeks, and that yeah. adds an element that can stretch the defense. So, you know, you're not going to see as many people get the ball without a Deshaun Jackson in there because without him, the Eagles don't have a real speed guy on the outside. You know, Zach Ertz is going to work the middle. He's going to catch the ball uh, no matter who they have on the roster. And uh, all Sean Jeffries is getting healthy and the other receivers are stepping up. And I think you'll see a dramatic improvement once Deshaun Jackson comes back healthy and gives that team the element of speed on the outside. Well, been back over to the defense, I think uh, it was a fair day for that defensive front. And uh, certainly when you can put pressure on a quarterback, they did come along a lot better. And, and some guys that were kind of crappy guys just a couple weeks ago, and they made a good showing and certainly led by that defensive line. Well, yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy like Skandrick who was unemployed uh, a couple weeks ago, and he, he comes in with that big strip sack. And the relentless pressure from the Eagles' defensive front was was really fun to watch. I felt a little bit sorry for the Jets quarterback, Falk, who you know, he kind of looked like a deer in the headlights before the game. I think he knew what was coming, and the Eagles just pinned their ears back and got after him. Jets' offensive line didn't play very well. And, uh, you know, you, I don't care who's back there, whether it was Sam Darnold or Falk or anybody, you've got to protect the quarterback better if they're going to have any success on offense. So that's an area of concern for them. Hey, uh, speaking of the defense, uh, the secondary was a big concern for the Eagles, but they got some great contributions from guys we barely knew, you know, Craig James, Orlando Skandrick. Jalen Mills should be back in seven, I believe, for the Cowboys game. Are you okay with the defense and the personnel that they have right now? Well, I mean, you got to play with who's out there. And, uh, you know, Darby and Jones are nicked up. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, this kid, Craig James, has come up with, uh, you know, a huge play in the Green Bay game and played pretty well last week. He's filled in admirably. And, the other defensive backs, I think, have done uh, a decent job. Uh, linebacking core that I had a little bit of concern about before the season, I think has played a little bit better than I anticipated. The defensive line up until this game I thought was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, but then, of course, they got they got 10 sacks last week, and, uh, and all is good. So overall, I kind of like where the defense is. Uh, and I think they're going to get better as they get healthier. Ken, as a player, we know we know coaches preach, you know, one week at a time, one game at a time, win the week type of thing. Uh, does a player sit here and look at this schedule and say, uh, at Minnesota, at Dallas, at Buffalo, uh, do you prepare differently knowing that you're going on the road three games in a row against three pretty good uh, teams? Well, no, the champions and the winners concentrate on the week's task in hand because it does you no good to look down the line. I, I get a kick out of a, a lot of sports talk guys. They'll go through the Eagles season. They'll say, well, this is a win. This is a loss. This is a win. And that's ridiculous. I mean, and number one, you don't even know who's going to be healthy. You don't really don't know how good the teams are prior to the season. So, you know, that's just uh, strictly for entertainment purposes. But uh, the, the quality teams, the teams that 
uh, year in and year out would win championships. They're really good at just focusing on the next opponent, and then once that W's in the column, moving on to the next one. You know, I mentioned the Eagles' schedule. They've got three brutal road games in a row. They're uh, they're at Minnesota, they're at Dallas, and they're at Buffalo. And Buffalo's a much improved team. Then they come home for Chicago, New England, and Seattle. I can't imagine uh, any team in the league having a rougher six-game stretch than that. But if the Eagles just you know, focus on Minnesota and take care of business, then they can move on to the next game. Yep, I'm hoping they win four out of those six, and I think they'll be in good shape then. They'd be, I guess, seven and five, and the schedule gets easier after that. Hey, Ken, there's talk about the NFL maybe making a push for a 17-game regular season, eliminating two preseason games. I'm fine with the latter aspect, the elimination of two preseason games, but I like the 16-game season and the playoff setup just the way it is. What's your view of all that? I think they're definitely going to do it. I think uh, this preseason this year was proven to be a farce. I mean, you're charging full fare to the fans for a substandard product, and that's not to knock the guys that don't make the team. Hey, I was one of those guys that was on the borderline all the time. But it just doesn't work anymore. And, you know, in the USFL, we played an 18-game season. It was fine. You know, the players, they like to play the games. It's not, it's not a burden to play an extra game when it means something. I do think that they're going to come up with some kind of a 17-game schedule with an extra bye or an extra playoff game that's going to extend the season. Because one thing is for sure, the owners are not going to give up any revenue. They're going to put teams out there for 17 or 18 games uh, minimum and make sure that they get the gate and the TV money. Uh, and this will be something that will have to be collectively bargained. I, I think they'll probably give the players a bump in pay uh, because they'll be making more money uh, as, as a team through TV and everything for these real games. So it'll be interesting to see how that whole thing shakes out, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that that's what's going to happen. Hey, Ken, along the same lines, did you see the the one suggestion they had where adding games but not making the players play more than the 16 games and the coach would have to figure out how to juggle personnel? That sounds impossible. It's, it, sounds, it sounds ridiculous. I mean, yeah. why, you know, players, number one, players, they want to play. I mean, if they're healthy, they want to play. And I, don't, I wouldn't want to give the coach the burden of trying to figure out who I can play this week, who I can play you know, next week. I think that's just uh, – that was just some fodder for some, some sports talk radio. I, don't, I can't imagine that being the case. But, you know, the NBA has set a precedent with resting some of these marquee players from time to time, and I hope the NFL doesn't do it. Hey, Ken, I got a Facebook message today from somebody, I think, uh, down in South Carolina – wanted me to ask you, what's it like to work with the greatness that is Mark Eckel? <laughs> <laughs> Did that come from Myrtle Beach Carolina. by chance? <laughs> <laughs> well, it couldn't have been Mark because I believe he lives in North Carolina. I believe ah, okay. Maybe, maybe it was North Carolina. No, maybe he doesn't. No, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, Myrtle Beach. South Myrtle Carolina. Beach. Yeah, Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Oh, Myrtle Beach is in, okay, okay. You're, I there you correct. go. Myrtle Beach is in South Carolina. <laughs> Well, you know, hey, Mark's a cool cat. I mean, he beat the Eagles beat for a long time up here, and he worked for NJ.com and the Trenton Times. And Mark and I have a good time 15 minutes a week kind of doing what you guys do, talking Eagles football, and the podcast seems to be gaining steam. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, Mark, 
uh, he's a very opinionated guy, but uh, he, he, he knows football, and uh, we have a good time with it. Yes, you do. Well, hey, Ken, we don't want to let you get gone. Uh, we know you're on short time here, but we want to hear about Jersey Man magazine. It's I know it's doing good. You've got some other magazines now, and you've also, I believe, sold some rights to some other towns or are trying to. What's yeah. going on with all that? Yeah, well, locally, we, of course, we have Jersey Man and Philly Man magazine. And by the way, we're kind of prepping for our signature event. We have a huge gala at the ballroom at the Bend on November 7th, where we honor six men and women of the year candidates. And Yuki Washington from Channel 3 is going to be our MC. And it's a wonderful night. If anybody's interested in tickets, they can email me at ken at jerseymanmagazine.com. Uh, we did sell the rights uh, through a franchise company that we started to Boston. So there's a Boston Man magazine now. And as a matter of fact, Julian Edelman from the Patriots is on their cover, and he's going to be at their next party on October 22nd. So I'm going to head up to Boston and uh, and meet with the ownership group up there and meet Julian Edelman and have a good time. And uh, we're lo- we are looking for some more markets. We're having some talks with Baltimore and some other some other cities and our goal is to have about 20 markets going within 10 years uh trust me guys i got four daughters that are still unmarried and it's my only chance at retirement so i gotta make this thing work <laughs> uh, and i do check out jersey men online occasionally and i know you have zach and julie Ertz on the cover of the latest edition plus you have a, a flyer season preview in there from our pal sam carcitti who was on with us just last week so you got a real good thing going there good magazine ken yeah, I appreciate it. Sam is great. He's been with us almost from the very beginning. And, you know, the, the funny thing or the cool thing about the, the Earths interview was I was able to interview Zach. And my daughter, Alexandra, who writes the fitness column, interviewed Julie. And then our art director, Steve Iannarelli, kind of put both stories together side by side. And the title of the uh, the story was Earths So Good. So he did a good job of putting that together and uh, – it was it was fun to see my byline and my daughter's byline side by side like that. Oh, that's great. Very, yeah. very cool. Well, Ken, before we let you go, how can people look up Jersey Man or purchase it or uh, look you up? Can you give us some information yeah. on that? Sure. The best way to get information on, on me, the magazine, advertising, our Legacy Club, which has over 300 members now, you go to jerseymanmagazine.com. There's information on there. You can also buy a ticket to the gala on November 7th through our website. My email is ken at jerseymanmagazine.com. If you send me an email, I'll respond right away and, and have you out to an event and see if Jersey Man and our Legacy Club is a good fit for you and your business. Fantastic. Well, Ken, we appreciate you stepping out of your gala or, or event that you're at to join us, and uh, go birds. Hey, I hear you guys. Glad to be on. Do it anytime. Take care. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bye-bye. It's officially fall now, and there's plenty going on at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA. In addition to the great food and always 24 beers on tap, that is, there's trivia every Wednesday, a DJ every Friday night, and starting this weekend, it's the return of live music every Saturday night. This weekend, it's the Malpractice Show Band. And mark your calendar for the Irish Rovers Halloween Bash on Saturday, November 2nd. Watch the Eagles and Flyers on their many TVs. Also, something new from the Rover, they now deliver within a five-mile radius of their great establishment in Langhorn. Order via their Facebook page or their website, irishroverstationhouse.com.
fans, this is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! Yes, it is. And hey, Chet, speaking of good, well, let's, let's not speak of good. As we mentioned, <laughs> nothing's come out of Citizens Bank Park about this Gabe Kapler's future, and I, I have to ask you, let's get back into that a little bit. Um, are, are you surprised that it's taken this long, and do you think there's – I guess the other thing I'd ask you, are you surprised that it's come out that management is polling the players or at least talking with the players? I am surprised that it's taken this long. I thought they would have made a decision within a couple of days after the end of the season. I really did. And, you know, now that it's taken this long, I'm starting to think like a lot of people are, that maybe that means Kapler is sticking around. As far as the the polling of the players, that's kind of weird because, you know, what are the players going to say, especially the players on his team? They don't really like change, typically. So, I mean, by all accounts, he's Gabe is a pretty good guy as far as uh, a player's manager, and they like him. And by keeping him around, the players know that they don't have to worry about what a new guy might want to change in the clubhouse or change with the lineup or how they do things. So I think they're all going to say positive things about Gabe Kapler. So I'm not sure what you're going to get out of the whole polling of the players thing. I mean, John Middleton has watched this team the last two years. He knows, I think by now, Gabe Kapler's positive traits and his negative traits, and he should have enough to go on to make a decision on his own without polling the players. So I don't know why it's taken so long, but I hope it ends really soon. Well, and I guess I will add in, you know, I think these players are paid lots and lots of money, a lot more than Gabe Kapler. Um they also want to win the World Series. So, I mean, that's really the driving goal. they got enough money to live forever. Uh, but they want to win that ring. And I think, depending on what that relationship is with the management, if you can be honest and tell them whether you think the guy's a clown or you think that he's, you know, a, a solid guy, uh, mm-hmm. I think, obviously, that's important. But I think – I'm not sure they're as much as worried about how much things will change as much as they want to win. And how are we going to get there from here? Well, yeah, and I hope that is the case. I hope they really do want to win. And if they don't think Gabe's the guy to get them there, that they tell management that. They tell Mr. Middleton, you know, hey, he's a good guy, but I think we could do better in terms of, you know, who's leading us, who's doing the lineups, who's making the, the pitching changes. I'm hoping that they are going to be honest about that. Um, you know, I was a Kapler guy right from the start. I, I supported him, and I thought people were way too hard on him the first year. The second year, I, I started to have my doubts because there were still a lot of concerns with some of the, the lineup changes and the way he used the pitching staff, uh, pitching to Freddie Freeman, you know, in the final month of the season. There were a lot of things that just kept building up and building up. So I would not be opposed to, you know, having them say, Gabe, your time is up. On the other hand, if they do decide to bring him back, I think he still can be a winning manager, but then a lot of the onus will fall on Matt Klintak to get some pitching help because we all know they need more pitching. They are nowhere near what we're seeing from, you know, Washington, Atlanta, the Dodgers, the teams that are still in the playoffs. So there's a lot of work to be done, whether he's going to stick around or not. Well, and we know that Chris Young has gotten the boot uh, as the pitching coach. It looks like, well, and Charlie Manuel has made it clear he's not going to be back in his short stint as the hitting coach. 
We've now fired the athletic trainer who's been here for 13, 14 years and is a It was all their fault, Bill. It was their fault. The trainer well, the I think medical it, guy. It must, it must have been their fault. And I guess I guess that's troubling. I mean, how do you how do you put together a staff uh, now? And what is it that they're looking for? They brought Young in because he was an analytics guy that they really liked. And uh, he can't make it through a season. Or you know he makes it to the end of the season. But is are these guys fall guys, or because I think Kepler is staying. Uh, so how do you put together a staff that can work together when you've gone through this? Yeah, they are fall guys for now, and I mean clearly they were two areas that there were issues. I mean they didn't hit the way that we thought they would, and the pitching. I know they had a lot of injuries, but still. Nobody on that pitching staff really improved except maybe uh, Ranger Suarez. Beyond that, everybody else, I think, declined this year. Some guys stayed about the same. You know, the, the Velasquez, Eflin maybe got a little better, uh, but he too was inconsistent. So I don't know what Chris Young d- did. So that's more than just a fall guy. They need somebody who's better, quite frankly. And it's going to be up to Klentak and or Kapler or the new manager to find the right guys to get the best out of these players because Chris Young and uh, the other guy, the hitting coach that they let go, did not get the job done. Well, and, and you know, again, I think it comes back because somewhere, and I, and I forget now exactly when it was and, and even the guy's names, but they cleaned house in the farm also yeah. uh, before the end of the season because they're not all on board of how they're going to teach and what they expect from their players. And I think I go back to, to Mike Schmidt saying he could not be a hitting coach these days because they teach hitting different than what he learned and the way he did it. I think Mm -hmm. that is critical in what you're looking for and how you're going to put a staff together. Um, Again, go back to Chris Young. They brought him in thinking he was on their page when if he was, he didn't get the results. No, he did not. And yeah, they really should have something, you know, uniform in terms of their approach throughout the whole minor league system, right up to the big club. You don't want to be taught something differently at the minor league level. And then you get up to, you know, triple a or to Philadelphia and they want you to do it completely differently. You got to have a uniform approach there. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do over the winter whether or not Kapler's back and, you know, who they bring on as a hitting coach, as a pitching coach, and just what other changes they may make. And then the key, of course, is to go after some free agents or, you know, maybe make a trade here and there and fix that pitching staff because it's badly broken. It is. Hey, one final baseball comment, Chet. I don't know if you had time to put one eye on it today. The Cardinals and the Braves been the, the winner-go-home game. And those Braves gave up a 10 spot in the first 10 runs and five hits before they ever came up to bat. I know. And it was 13 to one at last check. So it looks like the Braves are going home. Well, they were home and now they're going home for the season. I I tell you what, it's, there's never been 10 runs scored in the first inning of a playoff game. And uh, to do it on five hits and error, a wild pitch, there was just about everything in there except the balk, I think. And uh, man, what a way to lose the last game. Yeah, an ugly end to the season. A pretty good season, a real good season for the Braves, unfortunately. Unless there's a huge rally coming up here, I doubt it. I doubt it, too. Well, hey, Chet, moving on. The Flyers open the season with a win in Prague, as we said last week, with Travis Konechny scoring two goals and Carter Hart in the net. 
Uh, they play for the first time since then tonight. And how do you feel? You know, I, I kind of feel like you're going to be watching hockey before January this time because I think you're going to like this team. Well, you mentioned the name Carter Hart, and that's the big reason why I might. Uh, we heard Sam Carcitti rave about the young goalie last week. He'll probably have a rough game or two here and there, but like Sam, I just have the sense that this guy is the real deal, and I'll be excited to watch his progression. Beyond that, they have a nice mix of youth and experience. I think they'll certainly be better defensively this season with the guys they brought in, and hopefully better on the power play and penalty kills too. It should be an interesting season. Uh, Like Sam said last week, I think they're going to be a borderline playoff team. Hopefully they will sneak in because we'd love to see some playoff hockey we don't get it all the time anymore in philadelphia i would love to see some next spring and uh then just build on that you know the following season well i think i didn't look this up exactly but my with my memory serving me they have not gotten off to a really strong start over many of the last few years and getting out of the box here early winning a handful of games getting some points early uh, getting a little momentum and a little excitement, I think, is going to be huge for this team. Yeah, it's it's important to get off to a good start, especially when you have a lot of young guys, because you don't want them to get down if they're, you know, three and eight or whatever, a few weeks into the season. So win a few games here, feel good about yourself, and uh, you know, then you build on that. And I think Carter Hart has the right attitude. It was interesting, Sam, telling us last week that he's been seeing a sports psychiatrist since he was 11 years old. I mean, that's a guy who knows he wants to play hockey, wants to be a professional. He takes it seriously, and uh, it's certainly paying off. Here he is at 21, and he's probably going to be the Flyers' netminder for a long, long time. At least we hope that's the case. Yeah, and, and you know, my biggest takeaway from game one, it's only one game, obviously, but watching the game and reading uh, up on it afterwards, all four lines contributed, and that's apparently uh, that's the mode of operation uh, for this coaching staff. All four lines are going to play. Jeru's minutes uh, were like 17 compared to his normal 21 or 22. Uh, everybody's going to contribute. Everybody's going to play probably less minutes and all be part, and that certainly can't hurt you down the stretch. Yeah, agreed. I've really liked what I've seen and heard of so far from uh, Vigneault. Um, hopefully the players like him and hopefully they get a lot of wins, but he seems like he knows what he's doing. I mean, if he is that 12th winning this coach of all time, clearly he does. Uh, hopefully the players respect that respect him and, uh, that he's teaching them the right way to play and, uh, that it's a fun season. Uh, I'm thinking if you don't respect him, you're not going to be around. Yeah, I agree. I, I think agree. this is going to be a no-nonsense organization. It's, uh, I don't think they're polling players in the, on this team. <laughs> You're probably right. All right. Well, hey, uh, be good to watch them back in action tonight. Maybe you'll uh, turn off something that you are watching, like some feel-good story, and actually watch the Flyers. Yeah, I'll be home uh, by 8.30, and they'll be, I guess, wrapping up the second period about that time, and uh, I'll check it out. Hopefully, they'll be doing well. All right. Well, hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate and Westchester, PA. Yep, the same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal and then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. 
Call all state agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700, and start planning for your retirement today. Again, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, a lot of birthdays today and tomorrow in the music world, and I'm going to say happy 64th birthday tomorrow, Thursday, to Van Halen's frontman, David Lee Roth. I was going to say there was yeah. a delay there. I, surely there was a sound bite that was going to come out there. I just wonder where it was. Yeah, well, this little blog talk thing is a little touchy sometimes. But I'm, I was a big David Lee Roth, Van Halen fan. And uh, by the way, John Lennon would have been 79 today. Can you believe that? 79. Wow. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Chet, Sixers can't. As we said, a weekend, just two weeks away from the season opener from tonight, actually. Uh, any takeaways from the early camp? Well, I actually watched the majority of their preseason opener Tuesday night against that Chinese team, the Guangzhou Long Lions, a 58-point win for the Sixers, which, by the way, meant they did cover the spread. There was actually a betting line on the game, and the Sixers were 49.5-point favorites. I kid you not. And, yeah, they covered it. <laughs> Look, you're not going to make any real judgments based on a preseason blowout of the 11th best team in China. And, yeah, you can look that up. But rookie Matisse Thibel did look like a guy who can definitely play. Newcomer Josh Richardson fit right in right from the get-go. He looked good. Lots of energy. Definitely a skilled player. And, yeah, Ben Simmons looked very good. I know the competition wasn't great, but uh, he looked good. Uh, he was focused, and yes, he did hit that three-pointer that sent the hometown crowd and the Twitterverse into a frenzy, Bill. Yeah, he did, and uh, I was waiting for another soundbite. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> did, and uh, and actually, it was kind of fun to watch, and it was a great. It was a great reaction by all his teammates as well. Uh, timeout came shortly after that, and they were all waiting for him or meeting him out there on the court. It, it was like it was really a big event, a three his first three-pointer, and it comes in a preseason game. Yeah, and then you saw all the different uh, views of the three-pointer and the reactions. Uh, like, you'd, you'd see them focus on Joel Embiid, kind of encouraging him to shoot as he was about to shoot. You'd see the, the whole Sixers bench stand up watching. And then when he finally hit it, you know, the bench went nuts. The crowd went wild. Joel, of course, went over, almost tackled him. And Ben is kind of trying to downplay the whole thing. Like, you know, it's not a big deal. I mean, even after the game, uh, in the post-game news conferences, both Brett Brown and Ben Simmons kind of, you know, downplayed it, didn't want to make too much of it. But, hey, come on, it is a big deal for fans who have been waiting, you know, two-plus years to see him take a, a legitimate three. And I know it's still a preseason game, but to take a three that wasn't just a very much end-of-the-half or end-of-the-quarter buzzer beater. And we don't expect this all the time. We don't expect to take uh, three-point attempts all the time, three or four a game. I just want to see a mid-range jump shot a couple of times a game and maybe one three-pointer every third or fourth game. I'd be happy with that. Well, and yeah, I think everybody else would too. But I, I thought it was – I didn't see all the views that you're talking about. I saw a bunch of them. But uh, Ben never even cracked a smile. It's like no. this was business. This is how it was supposed to be. And uh, one would think there's going to be a, little, a lot more of them. Boy, you hope so. And this is the time to do it. It's preseason – and you certainly can experiment in the preseason. You've got, what, five or six preseason games. They tip off for real in a couple of weeks, so you work on things. Uh, Joel Embiid certainly looked ready for the season. I know it was, again, against a, a poor Chinese team, 
but he had 17 points in 13 minutes. So he looks like he's ready. He looked like he was in great shape. And I did like what I saw Thibel, like I said. He looks like he's a very good defender. Josh Richardson nailed a couple of jumpers, uh, including one from deep in the corner. Um, I'm, I'm liking this team. I know it's one exhibition game. There's still a bunch more to go. But I like the depth. I like the mix of players. They're a very tall team. They got a lot of roster decisions to make, too, which we'll talk about in the next two weeks when we have a, a special guest on to talk about all that. But they got a lot of tough roster decisions because they got like 19 or 20 guys on the roster, uh, and they got to cut it down to 15, I guess. That's going to be tough. Yep. Well, we're going to talk a little more Sixers when we get Fred, uh, Fred and Butter on with us here in just a few minutes. So we'll come back to that, uh, Chet. But, you know, college football is starting to get toward the middle of the season starting to get into the middle of conference play. Things are heating up. Big games this weekend with a 4-1 Temple Owls hosting 5-0 Memphis. That's a huge game for the Owls. Penn State going to Kinnick Stadium in Iowa, which is always a tough spot, especially for a night game. Florida visits LSU for another night game in Baton Rouge, which is a crazy place for a night game. And USC visits Notre Dame also on Saturday night. There'll be TVs everywhere for us college football junkies. <laughs> Oh, I know you love this time of year, Bill. Good luck to Temple. I think they're five, maybe six-point underdog to Memphis. Good luck to the Owls. And I'm, of course, pulling for my alma mater, hoping the Nittany Lions can stay unbeaten by knocking off the 4-1 and one Hawkeyes out there. Penn State has won five straight in that series, which surprised me because I know it's often uh, tough to play, especially when you go out to play there in Iowa. Uh, they've won three in a row out or against Iowa under James Franklin, but – I'm pretty sure it's going to be a tough game. It's, it's not going to be a cakewalk. We know that. Well, if you remember, uh, two years ago, Penn State went out there for a night game, and Trace McSorley threw a walk-off touchdown pass to win that yeah. game. They were losing that game all the way down to the gun, and uh, McSorley threw a touchdown pass to pull that game out for the Nittany Lions. And, uh, but, boy, this team is playing good football, and uh, – they're, they're fun to watch. they got speed everywhere, and, and this offensive line, as you know, I like to watch, uh, so far is as good as they've had out there in quite a while. Yeah, they're looking real good, and now they're getting into the tough part of their schedule, so we'll see just how good they are. And I'm glad you mentioned that game. I thought that was out in Iowa. Yeah, that was, that was quite a finish. I saw that live, and that was great. Um, who are you liking in the Temple-Memphis game? Not that we follow either of them that closely, but – uh, boy, that would be a, a nice win if Temple could get to 5-1. and one. Yeah, Big, big, big game for Temple, especially at home. This Memphis team is good. They, they're they averaging, I want to say, 48 points a game or some ridiculous number. Uh, but Temple is solid. Uh, they play good defense. And it's going to be a challenge for the Owls. But, boy, what a big win it would be for them and their program to be able to knock off Memphis. Yeah, I, w- I wish them the best. I certainly would love to see uh, Temple win and, you know, get to a, a nice bowl game again this year. Yeah, hey, Chet, on a, on a different college football note, did you see where a UCLA fan tried to uh, – what, what did they put it on the marketplace or one of those? Uh, they were trying to sell a used Chip Kelly to anybody that would take him. <laughs> a used Chip Kelly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just put an ad up. Said, oh, my God. <laughs> we're going to get rid of this bum. I did not see that, but I, I don't know if they'd have any takers if if they did anyway. Oh, too oh, too much, too much. Well, 
College football, as you know, is uh, is one of my favorite times of year, and uh, yep. I'm looking forward to Saturday night. This this weekend is the kind of stuff that I live for come college football season. So far, it hasn't been – they haven't had those matchups, but, boy, they got a bunch of them, and they're all on TV at the same time. And uh, I will be in Chantilly this weekend, Chet, uh, oh. for my one of my visits. And uh, there's a Hooters right across the street from our venue, and uh, I imagine they'll have all the games on, and I plan on watching them. Well, if you'll be at Hooters, there'll be plenty of things to look at then. Football. All right. <laughs> Hey, Jeff, before we get to Fred and Butter Dive Fantasy Football and all of our predictions, I want to talk Sixers with Fred and Butter. Yeah. Freddie, how you doing, man? Fred, welcome back. Yo, what's up? I love some Sixers talk. Well, we did you had watch, a little Fred? Sixers talk before you joined us, so we got to start out with, did you watch last night's blowout and uh, – what did you were you in the in the frenzy with the Ben Simmons three? I watched the, the whole game. Um, I was in the frenzy because it was exciting and it was just cool to watch the way it went down. But it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, right. Right. Um, um, the game I thought I thought they started out sloppy actually in the beginning. It was like a two point game for about like two or three minutes. Um, but that's going to come and they're going to have to find their offense and everything. But you know it. The one thing I will say that I took away from that game is that Matisse Thibault got a lot of minutes, and even though he wasn't playing, you know, NBA competition, he he looked like like he belonged. And Zaire Smith, he is our number one draft pick for he's I can't believe him the Villanova guy that we didn't draft. His name is escaping me, but um, Bridges. His mom worked for Bridges? Sixers. Bridges, Bridges, yeah. He's he's starting playing in the NBA, and Zaire Smith didn't get minutes till a minute in in this game where he's playing nobody. He didn't get action till a minute left in the third quarter. So it seems Thibault has already jumped him in the rotation. So that was that was noteworthy for me. Yeah, I noticed that too. They they didn't use him much at all, and uh, I don't know what that means. And like Shake Milton didn't play a whole lot either. But they got a lot of roster decisions, as I was saying. They they have I guess twenty guys on the roster right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they play these guys over the next four or five preseason games before it all starts for real on the twenty third. But just uh, what do you like about the team as far as you know the, the starters and the main guys off the bench? I'm liking them, Fred. I think this is going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, just aside from last night, nothing to do with last night. Yeah, I'm, I think we have a lot more depth. I think the the goal is defense for the first time in a long time. It's not space and pace and hit the three. It's let's play defense, and we have guys that can hit the three, but not necessarily sharpshooters. So we're long, we're tall, and the only thing that's going to be is, for me anyway, is when other teams try to go small ball on us, is, is Brett Brown going to make the right adjustments and go small, you know, and, and keep the speed on the court is, is, is what we'll find out. But defensively, we, we should I, – I, I, I'm never, not a big guy on, on the threes. I know that's the way the league is and the way it's going, but you, you live and die by the three where even if your shot's not falling, you can always play defense. And I really think we're going to benefit from that, hanging our hat on that, as opposed to if J.J. Reddick's on fire or if Marco Bellinelli's on fire – you can get a 15-game winning streak when those guys are on fire, but come playoff time, they go cold. Well, what do you, you can't play defense or shoot. You're going to lose. So I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, Me Fred, I, I wanted to ask you, are you still in the 
uh, ticket plan, season ticket, partial ticket? What do you got going on? Yeah, yeah, I locked in when they stunk, so I'm I'm in, and I'm not at the the crazy cost that they, because they are letting people get in on the plans, but I I compare them, and and they're paying almost three quarters more of what I'm paying, which I'm glad they didn't just raise my prices, so I appreciate that. But yeah, I'm in for the full eighty two. Me and another guy split them, and wow. um, and then I I obviously can't afford to just throw money away like that, so I sell a good amount, but you make a good amount on StubHub that it actually ends up paying for itself and even if you sell a couple playoff games you can almost pay for it the way those prices go as well well we'll be talking lots more basketball in the weeks ahead fred but in the meantime there it is time for this week's nfc east picks except we got to talk fantasy football first for week (laughs) six so fred Tell us what's going to happen this week. All kinds of changes going on around the league. Uh, what do you make of this week? The waiver wire is bare. So if you didn't get your squad, you, you got a better hope for an injury because right now it's very bare. Um, as far as the quarterbacks go, a quarterback I really like this week is Matt Ryan. He's having a pretty good year. He only had one bad week so far fantasy-wise. He's going up against Arizona. Their, their defense isn't, isn't very good, so that's a good matchup there. Uh, Gardner Minshew's on the waiver wire still in some leagues. He's got 20 points per game. You might be able to grab him in Jacksonville. Maybe not start this week, but at least help you out. Uh, at the running back spot, I like – and I watched uh, NFL primetime, the, the the Chris Berman, Tom Jackson one, and he oh, – yeah. you guys will like, like this reference. He called him carry on my wayward son Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great. I, I felt like I was a kid again watching it in uh, my kitchen in Collingdale. Um, but anyway, I like Kerryon Johnson against the Packers this week. He, he's got about 25 carries last week, had 125 yards. Packers aren't that great against the run so far. So I like him. Running back, waiver wire, there's really no one. Jonathan Hillman on the Giants. I mean, he may start over Gallman. Thursday, but he had 10 touches and only 20 yards. He, that's not even worth it. I would look somewhere else there. Uh, as far as receiver goes, I like DJ Moore this week. He had 15 points last week. Since Cam Newton's been out, he hasn't been used as much, but it looks like they're getting him involved. Um, moving to our wide receiver, you could probably pick up Deontay Johnson on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Since he's become the, the number one, he's the team high in targets. Tight end-wise, Austin Hooper, he's having an amazing season, and it's going to get even better, most likely against Arizona. He's he's a must-start, I would say. Tight end you could pick up. I, I brought him up two weeks ago. He's from Iowa, Noah Fant. He scored a touchdown that week. Um, he's definitely not a start-every-week guy, but this week he goes against the Titans, who they're ranked 27th against the tight end. So he's a guy, if you're looking for a tight end or your tight end's on a bye, you might be able to put in there and, and get a 7 to 10 points out of and then defensively, I know Sam Darnold's back, but the Jets were so awful. That line was so bad. I, if you have the Dallas Cowboys defense, I think you have to start them. And another defense you could grab off the waiver wire is the Washington Redskins. And, and not because they're any good, but just because of how bad Miami is. So they're playing Miami. I would I would look into that as well. But that's all I got for this week with uh, fantasy. Hey, Fred, I, I've got uh, one question. I got, go yeah, ahead, Chet. I have a question. Yeah, before. I had a question, too. Um, Dalvin Cook, uh, of course, with the Vikings, not that he's available anywhere, but the Eagles have been pretty good against the run this season. So how do you think Dalvin Cook's going to fare this weekend? 
when you have players of that caliber, you can't you can't not start them. Like you have to right. start them because you have games against good defenses that he still he may get sixty yards and a touchdown, but that's still twelve, thirteen points. You know what I mean? So I don't know. The Eagles have been they're the number one, I think, ranked against the run uh, this year. Well, it was pending the Monday night game. I didn't see so they're either one or two. Um. I don't know. I, I, I think I'll have moderate success. I don't think we'll totally shut them down, but, you know, I would definitely start them if I had them. Well, my question is, uh, Fred, Christian McCaffrey is is rewriting the record books, at least so far. What does he do to a fantasy league? Oh, he changes everything. And you'll love this, Bill, because people were texting me, um, who should I take, Zeke, or I forget who the other number one guy was. And I was like, take if you got the number one pick, take Christian McCaffrey. Like I was all on him, and I know you're you. I was I was I didn't think he was gonna pan out from college. I wasn't wasn't too on him, but now that I've seen him in the pros, I'm like this guy's an animal. So when he, you got a guy that, and even Aaron Jones last week did the same. You know, when you got a, a guy that puts up, you know, forty some points, that just really can can change everything. You know, <laughs> that just that's you guys guys that average you know fifteen to, and then on a good week you won twenty five. You got a guy that gets forty, forty-five. It's 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 amazing. Yep, and Deshaun Watson's doing pretty well too, by the way. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> well, well, he's every other week actually, Bill. So last week was another week, and he he dominated. He he's been like forty points, then like eight points, and then thirty points, and then nine, and then last week he went off again. So hopefully he can stay a little more consistent. There you go. All right, it's time for this week's NFC East picks, and I throw a wild card in here for us and. Uh, but before we get to that, Chet, how did we do? I think we all picked the same team. So what's our records? What's our standings? Yeah, we all have the exact same picks. The good news, we were all a perfect 4-0, and and we all really enjoyed seeing the Cowboys fall to the Packers. So our season-to-date records look a whole lot better now. Fred and I are both 11-5 and this season, and Bill, you are 10-6. and Not bad, but just not quite as good as Fred and me. Yeah, time's coming. Here we go. Week six. Let's do it. Start out. Giants at New England on Thursday night football. Patriots minus 17. Wow. Redskins at the <laughs> Dolphins in a real stinker. Redskins minus three and a half with a new coach. Two straight losses for the Cowboys as they travel to play the Jets. Dallas still minus seven and a half. And I said I threw a wild card game in there because I like this game. 49ers at the Rams. Rams minus four. And the underdog Eagles travel to Minnesota to play the Vikings with the Vikings minus three. Fred, you start. Giants, Pats, Pats minus 17. It's really nice for the NFC East to get the Patriots schedule that they get every year. How bad is this AFC East? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, there's no way you can pick the Giants. I don't need Saquon Barkley's not paying, playing that. I mean, it's the Patriots. They're. Their defense is looking. I, I, I wouldn't at, say that. Jets got a little hankering going for that Daniel Jones. He New does. England wins. <laughs> New England wins easily. You're up, Bill. All right, I got I got the Patriots as well. All right, let's go. Redskins, Dolphins. And I said a real stinker. And I'm going to tell you this, guys. Um, sometime early in the summer, I contacted the Dolphins about getting uh, tickets, uh, a deal set up for the Eagles-Dolphins game. <laughs> So I get regular mail from them. They have been sending me emails about this Redskins game for at least a month. <laughs> They're trying to give away tickets to this game. Oh, man. It's a stinker. Who do you like, Fred? I, I, it's a, it is a stinker. 
the only thing is that I think the Redskins have a little might have a little pride left, you know, and, and they got Callahan who's been a coach in this league before. He took the Raiders to a Super Bowl. You know, I, that's the only reason I'm taking them. I feel like the Dolphins just gave up on the season before it even started, besides Rosen probably trying to develop. So I, I'm going to take the Redskins here on the road, especially off the firing of Gruden. Yep, I agree. The new coach, uh, they'll, you know, throw him a bone and play pretty hard for him, and Miami stinks. So Washington wins. Absolutely. I, I just can't imagine they're going to do anything. All right, Cowboys-Jets. Cowboys coming off two losses where they have been exposed by two decent teams compared to the three bums they beat. Uh, Dallas minus seven and a half against the Jets. Gotta love it. Gotta love them Cowboys. Sam Darnold's back, but there's no way he's he's up to speed yet. Um, the Jets, they just don't look good. I'm, I'm I can't. I'll take the Cowboys. I was listening to 97.5 today, and they had Eric Carabell from ESPN on. He said the Jets are going to give the Cowboys a battle and maybe even beat them. I think he's kind of nuts, but no way. Dallas wins. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you know, if you look at the Eagles game, when you give up 10 sacks, how can you think they're going to beat anybody the very next week, even with the quarterback change? The quarterback wasn't blocking. Uh, so you got to go right. with Dallas, but sure, I sure would like to see the Jets give them, uh, you know, Give them a handful. Don't just don't see I it. Love it. Love to see the upset. Yep. Okay. The wild card I threw in there. 49ers at the Rams. Rams minus four. This might be the best game of the weekend. Who you like, Fred? I I picked if you look on my Fred and Butter site, I, I picked the 49ers to win the West. I've been picking them every week in all my pools, and I'm not stopping now. I believe in Shanahan. I believe in Garoppolo. I'm taking the 49ers. About time we had something different. I'm going with the Rams because the Niners are not going to stay unbeaten forever. This is a game that they can lose, especially a road game after a Monday night. I'm taking the Rams in this one. And I am going with you, Fred. I'm going 49ers. I I liked them last year. I thought they started to develop, and this year they're playing good ball. Uh, the Rams may have done all that they're going to do. They may have peaked and headed in the wrong direction. We'll see how that goes, but I'm going to take the 49ers as well. That okay. gets us to the underdog Eagles traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings. Vikings minus three. Eagles are dogs. Bring out the dog masks. Um, on the road, Minnesota has, hasn't looked great this year. I It's a three-point spread, so I, I, I think this is a Carson game. I think it will be close. Um, he hasn't played in that dome yet. So I'm sure there's going to be some confusion early, but I think they, they get it together. It'll be a close game, but I'll take the Eagles winning this, let's say, 24-23. <laughs> I have the Eagles 24-20, to 20, so there you go. We're pretty close. Eagles win. And I had the Eagles 27-23. So we're all in. We're all thinking it's going to be a close game, and we're all in about the same point range. So good deal. All right, Jen, uh, Fred, before you go, give us a quick rundown of your Fred and Butter website, and we'll do it again next week. Yep, fredandbutter.com. Um, you're more, I'm more active on the, uh, on the Facebook pages, so follow me at you know, Fred Hugo. Uh, my Instagram's at Fred Hugo underscore, and on Twitter, at Fred Hugo underscore as well. And I'm now mixing in some Sixers. I'll be doing Fred's five takeaways um, every game, so look for that as well. Sounds good. We'll see you next see week. See you, Fred. See you. Go, Birds. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, 
we got a schedule change for next week and a mystery guest, at least to me. So who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, Bill, next week I have a previous engagement Wednesday night. I'm seeing the band Greta Van Fleet. I'm sure you're a big fan. Maybe not. Uh, but anyway, you agreed to move next week's show to Thursday the 17th, so we're going to do that Thursday, and we will have another good one lined up for you. We're going to talk Sixers and Eagles with our friend from 97.5 The Fanatic, who is a co-host also on Sixers Outsider on TV. Tyrone Johnson will join us. We may also have a guest to talk a little Phillies baseball, too, but that's still pending. But Tyrone Johnson will be with us live. All right. It'll be Thursday night, right? 7 o'clock. Yes. You got it. All right. Mr. Chesco, do you have a quick parting shot tonight? Not a true parting shot, Bill, but there were a few things we didn't get to. I haven't watched a whole lot of the baseball playoffs, but they've been pretty good. Three of the four division series going the full five games the Rays taking on the Astros uh, in a game five tomorrow. And I think we can say that the Phillies truly did not belong. There will be soccer playoff action this weekend. The Union meeting the New York Red Bulls. Go Union. We love our soccer, Bill. I looked at my carton of milk this morning, Bill, and there was a picture of J.J. Ortega Whiteside on there. He's been pretty much missing in action since that big drop at the end of the Eagles' loss to the Lions. Played two snaps on offense last Sunday. Where are you, J.J.? And even though he dissed me a bit the other day, taking a dig at me for my Monster Mania Con pictures, I'll be nice and say happy 70th birthday to our, I guess he's still our friend, happy 70th to Frank Fitzpatrick. Yeah, good good to see Frank. Uh, 70, nice family picture, and uh, congrats yeah. to him. There you go. All right. Do you have anything else, Mr. Chesco? If not, we are going to wrap her up. Let's wrap it up. Order your Philly Press Box Radio shirts. We have the green logo shirts available. See the ads on Facebook and uh, get your order in. Message Bill or me and we'll hook you up. Absolutely. All right. Let's thank our special guest tonight, Ken Dunnick and Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, TPCC118 Razroom, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance at Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Thursday, October 17th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcasts on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go Birds! <laughs>